Before I uh, jump into the message this morning, it is always a joy for me as a pastor when folks who have been away come back and visit, and I'm looking right out in the middle and I see Daniel Tripp. Uh, Daniel is on staff. One of our students here grew up and uh, God led into ministry on staff with the church down in the Raleigh area. Daniel, so good to have you uh, uh, with us this morning and uh, uh, we just want to say welcome home. Uh, Jeff and Sarah Dominguez over to my right. Good to have you guys back uh, visiting with us today. Uh, this is the fourth uh, sermon in a series called, um, uh, well, the series re- we never gave a name. We just couldn't figure it out. And so it's one of those. But, but it is uh, discover, belong, serve, and go. These are the four uh, things we have been talking about uh, related to our discipleship pathway. Discover, belong, serve, and go. And here at Grace, we uh, are convinced that disciples are made as they discover who God is uh, here primarily through worship in this setting, through Equip University, which begins next Sunday. Uh, many opportunities that you can check our website, go to the events tab. You'll see all of that or go to a little button on the front page. But to discover God um, through worship and through these equipped classes, uh, belong, uh, you can do that by coming to Starting Point, learning more about who we are. That's uh, one Sunday a month. You'll see that in your bulletin. Belong by joining the church and, and belong by joining a life group, being in a group of other believers really struggling along together and uh, discovering who God is as you uh, do life together. Serve here at 5182. So there are many opportunities. We saw those last week. Uh, Many of you signed up who aren't yet serving, and so we're grateful, and we'll be getting you plugged in. Uh, Folks have already begun that. And then today we talk about Go. Go is everywhere else. So Go is not uh, just to Ecuador. That's a a longer distance or Senegal, even a a longer distance away. But but Go is uh, Warsaw, like our folks who just got back from helping with the hurricane relief uh, in uh, eastern North Carolina. Go is uh, the farm that's just behind us uh, that belongs to the Bergens. Hope 2911, which is a ministry that Gary Suttles, who's sitting here, leads. And that ministry is to kids who are being raised by somebody other than their biological mom or dad uh, to come alongside them and mentor them and help raise them up. Um, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's one opportunity for Go. Go, another opportunity that is uh, led uh, uh, here is we uh, send food to about nine of our schools in the county. Every, uh, these kids get food that drops into their backpack on the weekends. And so the backpack project, I think, is somewhere over here. That's another go opportunity. Uh, Other things that you will see around uh, the the uh, room today, Faith Health. Uh, Faith Health is an opportunity to invest in older people's lives who can't get out of their homes. Roofing, uh, we have um, two projects for the first weekend in October. Uh, so the, where we go and provide, put a roof on for someone's house. Days for Girls, if you've never explored that ministry, Paula Bergen leads out on that here. And Days for Girls is an amazing uh, work around the world uh, 
for uh, girls in countries that don't have access to the feminine care that uh, uh, girls do here and therefore miss school and therefore miss out on some major things in life. And so Paul has led the effort here at Grace for us to be involved in Days for Girls. Um, and, and so there are just many opportunities for you to go and for you to be a part. But going also is uh, at home. It's you landing in your home and being God's missionary to your wife and to your kids. It's going to school and doing the same. It's going to work and doing the same. It is wherever you are. As a matter of fact, the Great Commission says, as you are going, make disciples. And so we are called to go. Uh, that is not the question. The question is where, and the question is when. Uh, so, so the question is, well, I'm not called to go. God calls other people to go. No, every single follower of Christ is called to go. Everyone is. Everyone is. No one, when you signed up, maybe you didn't read the fine print, but when you signed up to follow Jesus, you signed up to go. And so every single person in the room, you, you won't get to heaven. And God said, oh, you were, oh, yes, that's why you, you didn't need to share the gospel where you work. Or you didn't need to share the gospel where you live. We are all called to go. And, uh, but we have a tendency to view this as Mark uh, and Michelle Wise, right? They, they're called to go to Uganda or Anna Silver. She's called to go for a summer and uh, spend the summer somewhere. But those are special people and they, um, as special people, go and the rest of us go, oh, watch them go. It, it, that's not it. And so let's talk about how we discover this and we'll do this quickly. Um, in Acts 13, we see a pattern emerge. So it acts, uh, the, the book of Acts can be divided into two sections, 1 through 12, that's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then 13 is the, and, and on is everywhere else. So if you're reading, studying the book of Acts, 1 through 12 is what happened in Jerusalem, what happened in Judea, what happened in Samaria. All right, and then Acts 13 is the gospel goes, it spreads, and so this is the first event. So how does it work? How how does it work? How do people go? Number one, the Spirit calls. The Holy Spirit said, verse two, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Spirit calls. Uh, the the first part of going is that the Holy Spirit speaks. So, so one of the jobs, the roles, if you will, of the Holy Spirit uh, is to advance the gospel until Jesus Christ returns. So to advance the gospel until Jesus returns. And in order to do that, he speaks. He speaks to people. He speaks to churches. And he says to them, go, go. He speaks and he calls them to go. The reason you are sitting here today listening to the gospel is because somebody listened and somebody went. If that had not happened, you would not hear the gospel. If we were to go to a history of missions, you would discover that we were frontier at some point here in the United States. And because we were, 
people came and they proclaimed the gospel. The Spirit calls. Acts 1-8 has been said to be the organizational structure of the book, but it is also the mission. But Jesus is talking to uh, the apostles uh, or the disciples and those who have uh, uh, gathered around him, many more than they. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. If you look at that verse, Jesus is standing in Jerusalem when he says it. Judea is the region around Jerusalem. Samaria is up to the north and the ends of the earth. You go through Samaria and around the Mediterranean Sea, and that's everywhere else. Jesus saw the gospel going out uh, almost like uh, signals uh, off of an antenna going out into the world. Andrew Murray in his classic, The Spirit of Christ, says, The law of the kingdom has not been changed. It is still the Holy Ghost who has charge of all mission work. He will still reveal his will in the appointment of work and the selection of men. And I would add women. He will still reveal his work. He will still reveal his work in the appointment of men and women to go. And so the question is today, where are you going? All right? If uh, you say, Jerry, you're making me uncomfortable, mission accomplished. I hope you are. As my friend Josh Hayes says, I hope that by the time the sermon is over, there is a rock in your shoe. And when you get up to walk out, you feel it every time you take a step. I mean that. That's what I hope for you today. I hope you're uncomfortable if you're comfortable in the faith. As Molly said already, I hope that you step out of your comfort zone and go, okay, I'm going. So, so the Spirit calls. Uh, uh, calling has made a big transition, hasn't it? All right, so I know I grew up like Little House on the Prairie style back in Tennessee, and we hardly had anything. And that's not an overestimation. That's not an exaggeration. Like we, honestly, I grew up so country that we made our own butter, we made our own apple butter, we raised our own hogs, and, and, and we ate their bacon. Um, uh, we raised our own chickens, and we killed them too. Uh, we, Dad went deer hunting. We ate that. Mom bought very few groceries. We... Uh, plowed a field with a horse and a wooden plow. All right, that's how I grew up. Not an exaggeration at all. That's how I grew up. And back in the day when you, uh, uh, back in the day before cell phones, I know that's hard to imagine, but there was a time when you didn't carry a phone around. And at that time, there was a phone in your house and people called it and you picked it up and you answered. All right, and teenagers back in the day fought over who could be on the phone. Am I right? Yeah, like you fought over it. No, it's my turn. No, it's my turn. No, it's my turn. But I remember in my community where not one family had a phone line, it was called a party line. Anybody remember party lines? All right, yeah, a bunch of old people. Uh, so, so, party lines. What, how do party lines work? 
Party lines meant that I had a phone in my house, the neighbor down the road had a phone in his or her house, the neighbor across the way had a phone in their house, but we only had one line for all those houses. So when somebody called, then you picked it up, and if it was for you, it was, and if it wasn't, it wasn't, and the other person, you could hear them on the phone too at the same time. All right, as a matter of fact, I recall hearing of, of this woman in our neighborhood who would gingerly pick up the phone and listen to your conversation if you weren't careful. Like she would, she, she, she got her gossip off the party line, right? Because you could listen in on other people's conversations. All right, so now if you want to call my daughter, what do you do? You just dial her number. Not, I mean, we all have lines, don't we? We all have these lines. I would say to you that uh, the, the role of the Spirit and, and His work in calling people to ministry has, has come full circle, much, much like calling has. He will speak to you individually. That's what I'm saying to you. He has a direct line into your heart because He lives in you, and He will call you out. He will speak to you. If you aren't hearing His voice, it's because the world is way too loud. It's because there's so many things around you that are just drowning him out. I'm just saying to you, he's not going to call a party line first. He will speak to you. Others will affirm it. They will confirm his call on you. But the Spirit calls. Number two, the church listens. The church listens. Look at this list. Now, there were in the church of Antioch. Antioch, incidentally, is up into the north. It isn't in Syria, Palestine. It's up into the north. So the gospel is spread already. Listen to who's there. There were prophets and teachers. Their names are Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, or Paul. Don't get that confused. Uh, I just want to go through the list. I love this. There's Barnabas, a Levite from Cyprus. So, so he is from another island. This is such a cool church. I love it. Simeon, who was called Niger. The word Niger means black or dark. This was a multiracial church from the get-go. Don't lose that, right, in our culture where this has become a, a really a, a political thing. No, 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 no. The gospel is multicultural without even trying. It doesn't even try. Here is, here is we're 13 chapters into the book of Acts, and you've got a church that's comprised of, of people from Europe and people from Africa and, and people from Syria, Palestine. It's all kinds of people. This Thursday, this last Thursday, there were almost 30 people who gathered here for the weekly mentoring. All right, so, or the monthly mentoring. This is mentoring for pastors and staff people from around the uh, area, and, and a few are from uh, a little bit away from here. But uh, where Kevin Gauthier now serves as youth pastor, uh, I was able to meet their pastor for the first time. His name is Keith. And uh, what a great guy. He shared a story that I loved, absolutely loved. So Keith pastors uh, a church in Morganton. It's a rural church. It's out in the country in Morganton. And Keith said it was his third Sunday there. Well, in his first two, he had met a multiracial couple. It was a black man and a white woman. He had met the two of them, and they were lost. So he visited in their home. He led them to Christ. But in their church, there were no people other than white people. That's all who were in the church. 
He said, so I led them to Christ. They were living together. They immediately realized that saved people do not live as saved people together unmarried. So they said, we've got to fix this. The wife looked at him, or the wife-to-be looked at Keith and said, listen, uh, my family has pretty much disowned me because I'm in a, a, a mixed marriage, so they have disowned me, and when we do our wedding, nobody will be there. And Keith said, I looked at her and said, oh, no, you're wrong. There will be people at your wedding. So what did he do? Like, I sat there and listened to this young pastor, just blown away by his boldness, blown away by his grip of the gospel. He said, Sunday 3, my third Sunday at Zion Church, I knew that I was either fired or I was in. He said, because our service that day was a wedding. And he said, we brought that couple down to the front, and I conducted the wedding for that couple in that church in front of all of those people. Then we walked them into the waters of baptism. We baptized them. Then we brought them down to the front of the church, and we gave them the Lord's Supper. And all of us joined them in the Lord's Supper. And we had the biggest wedding reception that most of those people had ever been to. And I'm still there, he said, eight years later. Don't you love, yes, I love that. That is the gospel, amen, that's, that's what we see right here. We see a church. I mean, this, this church has so many different people. Some conjecture, it's only conjecture, that this Simeon, don't know, was the one who carried the cross. It's possible he was. Nobody knows. Perhaps he was. Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene is in northern Africa. God works in wondrous ways his wonders to perform, the old hymn says. Why? In 325 B.C., that would be under the reign of Alexander the Great, there was a group of 100,000 Jews who fled Israel. They fled Syria, Palestine, and they ended up in Cyrene. And because of their faith in God, they were open to faith in Christ. And in Africa, missions began. And those 100,000, many of them converted to the faith. Do you think, please hear me, do you think that in 325 B.C., uh, when those Jews thought there was no purpose to their fleeing, that God the Father may have looked at, over at the Son and said, Listen, you know, when you go and you're born and you die and you're resurrected and that news starts spreading, that 100,000, they don't know it now, but their kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-great-grandkids are going to hear the gospel. And I'll start to reach Africa. In the first century of the church. I love it. And there was Paul. Look at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Don't miss when they heard the Spirit speak. I would just say to you. If you come into this place. And you don't hear God speak. Right? That's either on you or on us, or on both of us. We are either 
lead in worship in such a way that God's voice is muffled, or you're coming in unexpected, maybe not ready. I also would add, I was reading one of the Psalms this week, if I understood that Psalm correctly, you don't have to come in here with everything together to worship. You, you can sing through the confusion. They heard the Spirit speak while they were worshiping and fasting. I would also say in a day in which now the new average for church attendance, the new average, right? So back in the day, you know, people went to worship three times a week. Now regular attendance is equated among studies with three times a month. The new average is twice a month. I would say to you, that will lead to a weak faith. You say, well, Jerry, I would expect you to say that. This is your gig. No, it isn't. It isn't my gig. Uh, Hebrews 10.25, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. My task as a preacher is to stir you up. Your task with one another is to stir one another up. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Already in that church, some thought, I'll stay home this morning. But encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near, worship ought to be that for us. John Piper says, if your heart is not amazed by the grace of God, and your mind is not gripped by the truth of God, and your sense of right and wrong is not permeated by the justice of God, and your faith is not resting in the power of God, and your imagination is not guided by the beauty of God, and your life is not steadied by the sovereignty of God, and your hope is not filled with the glory of God, then the service of God will be what Paul calls works of the law and not fruit of the Spirit. I must say to you, you need to come into this place. We need to lift him up so that when you go out, you go out with his power. So the Spirit speaks and the church listens. And number three, this is how this still works, the church sends. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Let's talk about this for a moment. There, there should never be any Lone Ranger missionaries. No. The church is to be for you an umbrella of protection. God has ordained the local church to come over you and protect you and give you what you need as you advance in that to which God has called you. As a matter of fact, at the end of this service, Beth will come and pray for students and teachers and professors and administrators. And we're saying by that prayer, as you head into this school year, we want to be an umbrella over you. We want to stand in the gap for you. Fasting. What is fasting? Abstaining from food to hear from God. That's what fasting is. Now, fasting is taking on different forms today, but in Scripture, it's always food. Uh, we don't see anything else in 
Perhaps if you do, and I've missed in my study, I'd, I'd love to hear from you, but I, I can't see any place in Scripture where it isn't abstaining from food. This is so unpopular, and it is so rarely practiced today. And I must say to you as your pastor that I have never this and I've never and I'm confessing this morning and to all who are watching by Facebook I've just I've never taken it seriously I just never have until three weeks ago reading a little book that uh, rocked my world and I guess poor nerd that I am that's what it takes but a little book called Common Rule, Habits of Purpose for an Age of Distraction. That book has rocked my world. It while I was in Ecuador, our family has had now two or three meetings around that book. And we now have every Sunday evening meetings, our family sits down late. And we talk about the principles of this book and how it is that perhaps we can live them out. And one of them is fast from something 24 hours every week. It's one of the, the eight habits. And so I have begun doing that. It is not easy. I, I, I'm, I'm a, a wimp when it comes to food. I like to eat. Amen? We do. And so this week when I did that and uh, on Friday did not eat all day from dinner Thursday night until breakfast Saturday morning, I was hungry. What I discovered, and I have a blog that will populate at 1215 today on fasting, enoughfortoday.org if you don't know where the blog is. What I've discovered is that fasting reveals what controls us. I've discovered that as I get hungrier and hungrier, I also see deeper and deeper sin. I see things that if I had the comfort of food, I would not see. That's what I'm trying to say to you, is that I have my obvious sins, my A-list, as do you, but but there's a B-list that kind of lurks underneath, and I've discovered the B-list on these days of abstaining from food and praying and going about my business. I mowed grass. I, I did what I do on Fridays just without We are asking you, beginning today, we are asking you will have an opportunity to receive this as you leave. The first weekend in October, we are having one worship service, McDowell High School, 10 a.m., to celebrate 20 years. We are also beginning an emphasis today called Who's Your One? And we're asking every one of you to pray for one person that you would love to see come to Christ and to bring them that day for that exciting service and celebration and to help you with that, you'll receive three resources as you leave today. A book like this, a marker like this, and a way to share the gospel that looks like this.
I'll tell you what I like about this book. It is a 30-day prayer guide. Let me just read day one to you. I love this prayer. God, I know there is only one way to salvation. Jesus is clear. He is the only hope for a lost and dying world, and that includes, and you fill somebody's name in right there, whoever your one is. His or her salvation depends on acknowledging Jesus is who he says he is, and he alone is the source of salvation. Use the people and circumstances in blank's life today to point him or her to the reality of Jesus. Give me courage and boldness to call blank the person to faith in Jesus when the opportunity arises and help me make it clear there is no other way to be saved. You have 30 days of prayers like that that you can begin today to pray for someone in your circle who needs Jesus. You have a reminder with scriptures to read for each day. And should in the next 30 days the Lord say, put that person in front of you and give you a chance to share with them the hope that you have, you have this tool to do that as well. In addition to that, this does go back to years ago. Years ago in our church, not sure why we stopped, we fasted every first Wednesday as a church body, and we prayed. And so we are asking you to skip a meal Wednesday. And when you skip that meal, for it not to be business as usual, but for when you skip that meal, that you do it. And whatever suffering that may bring to you, maybe one meal won't bring much, that's okay. Pray. Pray for this person. Go to God on their behalf. This is what the church did. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Well, who did they send away? They, they sent the very best. They, they really did. They, they sent uh, some pretty remarkable men. Barnabas was known for being a great encourager, a fantastic encourager. He would come alongside Paul and be really the softer side of Paul's ministry. I discovered this online. It's uh, somebody has done, if Saul had a resume or Paul, what would it look like? I pulled it because I thought this, this would be interesting just to see his resume should he apply for work somewhere. Objective. I earnestly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ has been exalted in my life for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. His experience, writer. Gifted writer of 13 books of the New Testament. They're listed. What Christians believe about Christ? Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, church problems, 1 Corinthians, Christian life and community, Ephesians, Colossians, 
My authority is an apostle, 2 Corinthians and Galatians, and you could go on. Missionary and church builder, three fruitful missionary journeys. Uh, I, I traveled 13,000 combined miles on those missionary journeys. When they sent Paul out, they sent their best. He left not to return to stay, though he returned three times. His journeys are described. Church planter, I, Paul would say, founded the churches in Corinth, Berea, Thessalonica, Philippi, Athens, Ephesus, Sidian, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Perga, Cyprus, and most likely Spain. Apostle of Jesus Christ became a believer through divine intervention, he says. Uh, he goes back deeper in his resume, which makes it all the more impressive. Persecutor of the Christian church. He writes, enthusiastically endeavored to stamp out the Christian faith. I was a Pharisee, he says, and finally a tent maker. He's got his education. And yes, even some references they sent out their best. Through the years, God has privileged us as a church to send out men and women to serve in different places. The question for you today is, will you go? You say, Jerry, how do I go? Well, let me just give you two ways, just two ways. One is this. Who's your one? This is one way to go. Uh, the second way to go is go around the room. If God is calling you, if the Spirit is speaking specifically, or if you need to go explore to determine that, folks will be at the tables. They'd love to answer your questions and talk with you. And perhaps God might call you. Let me add a third way. Perhaps God is calling you to go full-time. The ministry, right? It's a call to vocational ministry that we would love for you to share with us and let us know of his call. Uh, I think we have a video, Darren. Beth, would you come? Adrian, would you come as this video plays?